to me. Oh, Lord, I just praise your name. Lord, sometimes I wonder, what the heck are you doing? But I just have to trust you, Lord God, because it's all about you. Lord, I don't ever want to be accused of leaving our first love. It's all about you, Lord God. It's not about me. It's not about music. It's not about chairs. It's not about parking. It's about you. And so, Lord, we gather here today in one heart with one purpose. That is to worship your name and the number one role that you have for the church, that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would teach the truth of God's word, that we would be changed, Lord God, changed from faith to faith, not depending upon man or circumstances or situations, but putting all our faith and trust in you. I pray, Father God, for the, oh, so many people, Lord, that are sick today that are not here. I lift them up to you, Lord God. We break the power of sickness over them. We thank you for wisdom of doctors and nurses and these ER places where they're going today. Give them wisdom, Lord God, but we proclaim healing over them in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for the lost in this area. We pray in the name of Jesus that you stir within them a heart, no matter where they go to look for you, Lord God, in church somewhere, Father, that they find you. We thank you, Lord, today for new births. We thank you for people that are delivered and saved. And Lord, as we go before your table to receive communion, we're going to know that you're here. I love you, Lord God. We thank you so much. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. Well, I told Brian, and he knew. I said, I had this message planned about a month ago. And I'm going to be talking about faithfulness. I'm going to be talking about the things, the characteristics that God wants us to have. You know, God gives each of us the calling in our life. You know that? You may not understand what that calling is. You could be, you could be a, a nurse. You could be a guy loading trucks. You could be whatever. It doesn't matter. God has a calling on your life. People think because they're not in ministry, you are in ministry. And we need to understand that, that in this day and age, I've been in ministry probably going on 35 years. I, I have never seen things being shaken up, moving in churches, especially God's churches, people that are not going to church or whatever, like never before. I, I, God is do, about to do something. They've always prophesied that in the last day, there'd be a great move of God. Catherine Kuhlman, a great woman of God, miracles would happen in her meeting, said that God is going to move in the local churches. Because God, you're proving your loyalty to God and your faithfulness to God by being here today. So last week I started what we call traditionally our vision, me vision message. It's what I believe that God is calling us to do, House in a Rock as a church. And I shared a scripture that I believe the Lord brought to my attention, wasn't looking for it, but it's found in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And it says this, remember not the former thing, nor consider the things of old. Old was yesterday. Old was yesterday. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall bring forth, shall you not know it? The New Living Translation says, See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? So what the Lord wants us to see is what he has already begun when Jesus Christ came back from the dead. He started his church. The book of Acts was written to reveal to us the knowledge of how God wants his church run. And, uh, you know, honestly, we've gotten kind of away from that, and we need to go back and see, God, what are you doing here? He's doing something new, but he's also showing us that he put down a pattern in the book of Acts that we're supposed to follow. 
So God's saying, I've already begun. The goal of the local church is to fulfill the will of God. And what's the will of God? That we have a great building or great music or great coffee or, or whatever? No, no, no. It, it's, about, it's, it's about God's will. And God's will is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Verse 4, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, I would have all men to be saved. God wants all people to be saved. What does that mean? He wants you to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then he says, and to come into the knowledge of the truth. You know, when you're born as a baby, you don't know how to walk. You don't know how to talk. You don't even know how to feed yourself. You don't know how to control your bowels. You don't, there's a lot of things that have to happen when you go from a baby to grow up to be an adult. It's the same way with the things of God. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You realize what the Bible says, not what men teach. Well, we've got to re work real hard to be good. That's not what the Word of God says. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. It's, God, it's a God-given gift, salvation. And we have to receive it with faith. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for dying on the cross for me. That's received by faith. Grace is not something we make up. It's a gift of God. And then the Word of God says, it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not about what you do. You do what you do in appreciation of what God has already done. Amen? I do what I do in appreciation for what God has already done. I believe what Jesus is telling us to do as a church, back when and today, is what he told us to do as recorded in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which essentially says, I want you to get people saved. I want you to win the lost, but I want you to make disciples. I've had people say to me, well, I don't go to church. I don't have to do anything changed in my life. Because I prayed the sinner's prayer. But that's not what the word of God says. Only, it says we're to, we're to receive the grace of Jesus Christ, but then we have a walk that proves it. And you're not going to know the truth about life. Three kingdoms in this world, right? The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of man, and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's how God thinks. That's how God speaks. That's how God acts. That's how God reacts. Are we ready to do the same thing? Do you know the promises of God? Do you know the blessings of God? Do you know what God asks us to do about loving and giving? That's how we are to instruct people. That's what our vision is, to save the lost. I know we say win the lost, but I like save the lost. We're then to establish those people in the word of God. And then we're to show the people who do get saved that God is real. How? The love we have one for another. And also demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit to heal and to set free. God is real. People need to see that. It's about getting people saved. It's about discipling them. It's about preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ so people come to be saved. It's the power of the gospel. Paul says to the Romans in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. How many believe the gospel? We know what gospel means, don't we? It means good news. 
It means too good to be true. What do you mean too good to be true? That God himself came to earth, took on a human form, and died on our behalf. So many other religions and some Christians working at trying to get God to like them, and yet Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Say this to somebody next to you or maybe a couple rows over. God's not mad at you. Who said, but I am? So the number one priority of the church is to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we look at the church in the book of Acts, we see people and being moved by God. God moving when people gathered together, and that's the vision message, together with one accord in one place. They came together with one accord. And what, be, what brings the believers together into one accord is not what we do. It's what God has already done. What we do is find out what God asks us to do, and he brings us into unity in the truth. And that's the role of the pastor teacher, the role of all the ministry. According to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, he tells us that the role of the pastor teacher is to bring those who gather into unity and maturity so that they're not deceived and they're not led away by false teachers or false doctrine. My job is to preach the truth. Not my opinion, not somebody else's opinion, but this is what the Word of God says. And we know what the Word of God says. When we know what the Word of God says, you're not going to be moved by winds of doctrine. You're not going to be moved by, oh, look at this sort of church. Let's, let's do that thing. Look at this new thing. I've been through about five Jesus is coming back soon moves. Back in 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming Back in 1988. Remember that one? It was in September of 1988. I guess I missed it. I guess you missed it. I don't think so, because we don't know when he's coming back. The role of the pastor teacher, my role is teach you the Bible. So you say, this is what the Word of God says. And we're not swayed by what men say or by winds of doctrine. And that doctrine, that, that, that the kingdom of God principles, is what brings us into unity. We all believe the same thing. We all think the same thing. We all speak the same thing. And they also came together with one accord in one place. I defined that last week. A place. Defined by biblical definition. That word place is a spot limited by occupancy, a location or a room. There's borders. I'm the guy that say, oh, I got saved. I don't need to go to church. I, I said my two-minute prayer in the morning and I go out in the woods, or I'm on the golf course, or I'm, I'm fishing, and, and I'm just praising God. Hallelujah. It's my church. Church of the woods. That's a bunch of nonsense. You know why that's easy? Because there's nobody else there. I don't have anybody that I don't like there. I don't have to deal with people that rub me the wrong way. It, there's no place for me to, to exercise encouragement or kindness. Kindness is something you show to unkind people. Kindness is something that God gives us by the Holy Spirit. When we gather together in this church or other churches, you become 
fixed in this place. You're together, and we're in one place. We got the walls, and God has us come together for one reason. And it's incredible. Only one day a week. We have a Wednesday night service, much like Sunday. And there's some faithful people there. But God says, I want you to come together at least one day a week. And I want you to remember what it's really all about. It's not about your work. It's not about your job. It's not about sports. It's not about whatever's going on in the world. It's about me. And we come to worship him. We also see in the book of Acts that prayer, especially those who pray in agreement, why? Because we're in one accord, make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, according to James 5.16. If one righteous man can pray and cause rain to stop and rain to come, that's what it says. It was the prophet. How much more can a people who are praying in unity for the healing of their brother and sisters, for people to be saved in this area. How much power is there? A lot of power. We're not unified by music. We're not unified by coffee. We're not unified by the environment. We're unified by being together, agreeing on the word of God, and praying together in agreement on that word of God. Last week I told you that I needed to explain what that meant. But I also told you that there are some characteristics that God puts in his word that we need to possess in order for us to be in one accord and in one place and have that power of prayer. So the first characteristic that the true believer needs to possess is faithfulness. Let me say faithfulness. Faithfulness is expressed in many places in the word of God. It's faithful in marriage. It's faithful as a, a parent. It's faithful in your church. It's faithful to God. Faithfulness. A lot of stuff in the Bible about faithfulness. In Matthew 24 and verse 44, Jesus gives us this little warning. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such hour you don't know when the Son of Man is coming back. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but he will he find faith. Will he find you faithful? What do you mean faithful? Well, he explains that further, if you have your Bibles over in Matthew 24, and I'm going to read verse 45 and 46. 24, 45, and 46. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. Doing what? Exactly what the word of God commands us to do. It's, and I'm going to preach on those in the upcoming weeks about love, about forgiveness, about giving, about serving. But the bottom line, he's talking about faithful. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 is the parable of the talents. And it says here, from what I read, I'm not going to read the whole story, but in Matthew chapter 25, he talks about giving talents and different amounts to different people. He gives 10, he gives 5, he gives 1. And here's an interesting point. 10 is big. That, that, that's big in God's eyes. He's giving you a big amount. You could be in a big church. You could have a big job. You got a big responsibility. You could be in ministry. And then it says he gives 5 be in a 
medium-sized church. It could be in a medium-sized responsibility of job, at least in your eyes. And then he gives one. I, I found out that, you know, I've always been in bigger, big, big churches, fast-growing churches. And, and I, God had to correct me about some things because the majority of churches in nation, this nation are 50 and under. Now, we should not be looking down our nose because some little Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran church, whatever, has, oh, we're bigger than you. Get that nonsense out of your vocabulary. Because God sets you where God wants you to be. You, you, you pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to be? I believe you need to be in a place where they're preaching and teaching the word of God. I don't mean to offend people. We're not here to entertain Jesus was not there to entertain people. You know, they came to him because they were being fed. And he said, you're not coming to me because you want to hear what I have to say. You're coming because I'm pleasing your flesh, essentially. God is calling us, whatever I give you to do, whatever church you're at, whatever. I'm kind of relating it to church, together in one place. But here's the cool thing. He gave 10 to one person. And how many did they bring back? 10. They earned 10. They, he gave them 10. They earned 10 talents. He gave another person five. Gave them five, and they brought back how many? Five. Now, let's assume that we're not going to do what that guy did, where we get one talent that seems like nothing, and we bury it. No, let's, that guy got one, should have brought back what? One. So let me ask you a question. 10 out of 10, what's the percentage? 100%. Five out of five, 100%. One out of one, 100%. God is asking for 100%. Regardless of what he's given you, that's what faithfulness is all about. If you're father, you're faithful. If you're mother, you're faithful. Husband, wife, whatever your job is, you do all things as unto the Lord. And especially in the church, be faithful in what God is, where he has sent you and what he's asked you to do. Obviously, they proved their faithfulness to their master by accomplishing what God asked them to do. Obviously, Jesus is our Lord and master. But the Lord proves our faithfulness in a very, very, what I call a very plausible reality. It's great to say, I love God. How many love God? And God says, prove it. How? The greatest commandment given to us. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, I'll summarize, with everything you got. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Anybody that's in that need. And then when God brings us together as a church, we're supposed to be faithful and loving to one another. Remember, when Paul or anybody writes something in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, in the book of Corinthians, I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we're going to do, is about serving. Who's, who is the letter written to? the church at Corinth. Now listen to what he says. Talking about faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12. For as, men, as, as the body is one and hath many members... All the members of that one body, being many, are one body. Bible's King James is, keeps spinning it so you, you hear what he's saying. Even though we're one, we have many members. Also is Christ. For by one spirit we are baptized in the one body, 
whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been made to drink unto one spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? I don't think we have any volunteers here. Cut your foot off and say, well, I'm okay. No, you, you ever hit your little toe? Your little toe. I broke my little toe about three or four times. Stubbed it on something. Man, does that hurt. And it's a little toe. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the ear, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I don't have need of thee. What's, who's Paul writing to here? He's writing to the church. We need each other. Every time a new person comes into the church, we need to say, I need you. You have something that we need. And I have something that you need. And we can't judge people, look down our noses and say, oh, look at them, or look how they dress, or look at what. No, you, they've got something you need. God made us all distinct, but we all need each other. And that's why he brings us together in church. In my opinion, the church seems to be the only living body exists today where we can come together and have true community, where we help each other. Facebook don't cut it, guys. They call it social media. It's the most unsociable media I've ever heard of. I don't like you. Click. Don't work that way in church, does it? Well, they said, listen, the enemy has one role in a church. That's to offend you and get you out of here. And he'll use any means possible to get you out of where God wants you to be. I happen to believe, my opinion, that it says that God has given us pastors after his own heart, after his pleasing. Lord, where do you want me to go to church? And you pray and you go and you say, I'm getting something. And I feel good about this. And then you stay there, and then all of a sudden the pastor says something, or something changes, or somebody does something. I'm out of here. One thing pastors, all of us have been talking about, is the incredible reasons people give for church hopping. And I'm not going there, because I can give you some pretty cool, stupid answers. Remember, Brian, I'm not talking about you. He told you that. And in Romans chapter 12, I just wrote this not on my notes, so I, I noticed something in Romans chapter 12 I was reading last night, and it talks about also the church or the body. Every one of you guys have a gift. Do you know that? And, and it's meant to be used in the church. Let's see if I hit on your gift here today as I hit this in Romans chapter 12. Verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me, this is Paul speaking to the church at Rome, to every person that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, called humility, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man. I want every person to raise your hand in there. Say, that's me. God has given to you a measure of faith. Now listen to this. 
For we have many members in one body. Remember, he's writing to the church. All members have not the same office. Get it? For we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. We need each other. Having then gifts differing, your gift's different than my gift, but it's still a gift that are given up. Listen to this. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now that prophecy is a vehicle. Thus saith the Lord. That may be a word of knowledge or word of wisdom, but prophecy is speaking forth the mind, will, and purpose of God under divine unction. I hope when I stand up here, I am prophesying. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, in two days Jesus is coming back. That's not prophesying, unless it's under divine unction, unless it's moved by the Holy Spirit. And so prophecy could be any one of you in here where all of a sudden God drops something on your heart about somebody else, and you go up to them and say, you know, I really sense by the Spirit of God that you're dealing with something in your body. Glory to God. And you lay hands on that person. Or you feel really, I just feel really strongly led to give that person some money. That's prophetic. Not pathetic, prophetic. And many of you operate in that. It says God wills when he wills, how he wills. Could have it today, could not have it tomorrow. That's some of you in here. On ministry, let us wait on our ministering. You know what that means? Serving. Some of you are, are, are anointed to serve. And you wonder why you're frustrated in church. You wonder why you're unhappy. Because God's calling you to serve somewhere. Because it says here, if you are called to ministry. Oh, pastor, te- no, no, no. Serving here. Serving. Let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teaches on teaching. Some of you have a teaching gift. Some of you are actually teachers. We could use you. Oh, thank you, Pastor, for letting me share the pulpit. No! In the children's ministry. Oh. You all have gifts. I should have you stand up when every time I hit the one, you, there's going to one I'm coming to you probably. All, that was one everybody's going to stand up on. All right? Or he that exhorts on exhortation. Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, give us exhorters. Give us encouragers. You come to church and you could be moved prophetically to encourage somebody, to exhort somebody. That's what church is about. This is where you come to get encouraged. Where else are you going to get it? TV, radio, Facebook? Sorry to get on Facebook. I love you, Pastor Jim. I don't know if you're telling the truth. Some of you are called to be exhorters. Get out of your shell. Start encouraging people. It's not what's in it for you. Ooh. Uh, I Nobody wants this gift. He that gives. Well, Judy's a giver. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. You know what's really cool? When you get God gives you that basket to give, he just keeps filling it back up. Give, yeah, what interest, correct. God is a, God just, we, God lives a certain way, and we have defined rich and poor, and we hate rich, because it's ungodly. 
Well, you're going to have a problem when you go to heaven. Where'd you get this pearly gate? You know, you could have chopped up some of this gold and sent it down to those starving babies on earth. But you, you're going to have a real problem with God. This is the way God is. Some of you are givers. And I'm not just talking about in the offering. Give to other people. Give of your time. Give of your talents. Give of your treasures. Ooh, glory to God. He that rules with diligence. Some of you are called to be leaders. There's training to be a leader. Be a leader in your family. He that shows mercy. Ooh. I'll be the first one to receive what you got. Be a mercy giver. Go up to people that have been judged and put down and just show them love and, and show them mercy. So what's Paul talking about here? First of all, this is a letter to the church, those who gathered together with one accord in one place at Corinth. And how do we know it's a church? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God hath set some in the church. And then he describes the various gifts in the church. Faithfulness. To be faithful. It is, a, it is the verb or action of the word faith. It's faith in action. It means you're trustworthy. And we trust you. It's the opposite of the word planio, which means to roam about, to go astray, to deceive, to err, to seduce, to wander, to be out of the way. It's easy to run away when, when you know God's calling you to serve and, oh, I'm going to go over here and be served. No, I don't like this. I'm going there because this selfishness is rampant in this world today. When I think of faithful people, I think of people who are fixed. They stay in that together, wherever that is. They stay with one accord in one place where God has called them to be. Faithfulness. The second characteristic of those who are come to a place of unity, according to what we preach and teach, we are to come into faithfulness, but also learn that word loyalty. And the word of God, it's essential. It's as essential as the word faithful. It's a difference... The difference is that people seem faithful to their obligation, but they're faithful with an ulterior motive. When I was in the business, in the medical field, I was in sales and, and, and diagnostics, and my pastor, our church, was growing down in New Jersey, and, and he asked me, actually I was in San Diego, and, and he told my late wife, would you, would you uh, uh, ask your husband to be willing to come administrate? And Oh, I was so flattered the church was going, I was going to be administrating the church. I was probably making back then sixty plus thousand dollars a year plus commission. I got a car, and I remember where, where I was helping him work on a new church. I was a volunteer, and he had talked to me about coming on as administrator, and I was so excited. I said, "Well, how much will I be making?" Eighteen thousand dollars a year. Get behind me, Satan! And he said, "Jim, God will never ever." abandon you. You will never, ever be broke. God will always take care of you. And he did. I don't know how he did it. I was making a lot more before, and we always had lack. But now, I'm making less, and I'm being blessed. And when I went on that staff, it wasn't a very big staff, but three-quarters of the staff resigned because I brought in order. I brought in a, the cursed thing, the time clock. People came and went whenever it felt like it. I said, hey, that's going to change. Got to be accountable to God and to the people. 
And so I was praying, Lord, send us faithful people. And the Lord said, send, pray to send faithful and loyal people. Because you can be faithful, but you're not faithful with the right motive. Amen? Loyalty is defined as a state of being loyal. Faithful to your obligations. We used to have an organization that I headed up. We may start it again soon called Fidelity. Let me say Fidelity. It's not a bank. It means loyalty. It means faithful devotion to duty. When you're called to do something, you do it. Faithful to a leader or a cause. That's what the definition in the, in the dictionary says. A loyalist is one who exhibits loyalty in one who remains faithful in a fixed and faithful state in time of revolt. Ooh, time of revolt. Remember the, the scripture I gave to you last week in Proverbs 24, 21 through 22 in the Amplified Bible, my son reverently fear the Lord and the king or the leader and do not associate with those who are given a change of allegiance and are revolutionary for their calamity shall rise suddenly and who knows the punishment ruined which both the Lord and the king shall bring upon the rebellious. That's people leaving in rebellion. To the believer, we know that this scripture means the Lord. But who's the king? Who's the leader? Now, I'm not trying to puff me up. I've got to preach what the word of God says, all right? This is referring to those in authority. Now, most believers probably would change their allegiance, would not change their allegiance to Jesus. But what about their allegiance to their authority? We can talk about authority in the workplace. Don't complain about your boss. Just, just think about something. You're not the boss. What's the matter with God? Why aren't you the boss? Because God knew something that you don't have that he has, and he's the boss. Well, I don't agree with him. That's fine. He's still the boss. Remain loyal. How about spiritual loyalty? Obey, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your spiritual leaders, submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. They are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, I understand Brian's leaving, so I'm not picking on Brian. Got it? I understand him. I knew his first season. But there are people... That, Pastor, I love you. <laughs> I'll do anything for you. A year later, hasta la vista, baby. God spoke to me and told me that it's time to leave. And then I find out why you're really leaving. You got offended. If not by me, by somebody else. That hurts. Can I be open to you as a pastor? It hurts. There are people here that are not here anymore. It hurts. Every time somebody leaves, it hurts. Brian's leaving, I understand his reason. It still hurts. And I love him. He's been a blessing here. But it hurts. And that's why pastors quit. Because they just get tired of hurt. I said to my pastor one time, you know, you're not really friendly with people too much. He said, look at the stab marks on my back. I'm going to have to answer to that. So I got to be very careful what I say about my pastor because I'll have to answer for what I say also. Okay? Get what I'm saying here? This is Bible, guys. Right? You're not changing or leaving a church. You're changing shepherds. Just think about that. You're changing shepherds. 
Jeremiah 3.15, I quoted this earlier, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So believers should pray about where they're supposed to be in church, and if you go there and you say, this is it, then be there. Okay? This is the word of God, I'm telling you. If you were going to be in one accord, one place, and, and, and God's going to move, that's what we're going to need. Faithful and loyal people who make up the gathering will be in one accord, in one place. There the power of God is going to move. Those who are in one accord in one place will possess a term I never saw before, but it was in that translation I read, allegiance. We saw that God, the word of God mentioned in the scripture that I read in Proverbs about not associating with those. Oh, Pence, you've got to love everybody. It says not to associate with those that are a change of allegiance. Allegiance, faithfulness or loyalty to any person or thing. Let's call that thing the one place. Are you allegiant? Allegiance. Obligation of a subject to its leader or a cause. It says in the word of God that the love of many shall wax cold in the last days. You know what that means? Selfishness shall abound. People don't care about loyalty or faithfulness or diligence to that. I, I, I was talking to somebody, believe it or not, it was somebody in Plano, Texas great pastor, and uh, he had some people in his church. I went to a, a leadership thing there, and this guy had a really big company, and he said, I'm done. I said, why? He said, I just can't find faithful, loyal people anymore. And I'm not picking on a young generation because there's good people and there's bad people. He said, you know, w when somebody shows up a half hour late from work, and they said, I was tired. I had a rough night last night. And so you don't go to work. You think a business is going to survive with people working for you like that? I've had people, even in this church, tell me it's so hard to find faithful, loyal, and people that are, are having an allegiance to their job. Thank God they're out there. It's scary. We, we, I don't know where we went, and uh, uh, we paid for something. It was a pet store. We paid for something, and uh, they the, the put, you know, there used to be a day when you had to figure out what your change was, remember? Now it tells you what to change it. Remember that girl? She owed me 41 cents. It was painful. Watching 41 cents. And we're staying. I, I, I don't know if I said anything to Judy or not, but I said, oh my God, 41 cents. You can't figure out what 41 cents is. And the machine's telling you what the change is. I guarantee she probably quit. Faithfulness, loyalty. Oh. The final quality of characteristic that will bring us into one accord in one place is diligence. I should have left that story for diligence. Diligence, I love this definition, the steady effort to accomplish. You know why you're here? You have a steady effort to accomplish a better relationship with God, a better relationship with each other. Accomplish what? The steady effort to become faithful, loyal, having an allegiance to not only your church, but to God, and that loyalty to God is expressed in your loyalty to one another and to your church. I put it this way. Our verbal confession concerning spiritual matters is proven in the physical. Lord, I love you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God gives us physical opportunities to prove that. 
I, I, I'm going to lift up my pastor a little bit, 50-something years, actually probably closer to 60-something years in ministry, and I've seen the hell he's been put through. I don't always agree with him, but he's still in the pulpit at going to be 75 this year. 75. And I've seen people come and people go, and, and, and I've heard people say, when are you going to retire? When, you, when are you going to retire? Who's taking your place? Listen, God, I confess, I've said that. Who's taking your place, Beth? You're getting up there. How old was Moses when he got called out of the desert? How old was Joshua and Caleb when they attacked the mountains and got back from all the enemies of God that the other whole generation died away? They were 80 years old. I'm 68. Going to be 68. Oh, pastor, you're going to be really old up there. I hope not. Diligence. If you are Christ's, then you are a member of a local body somewhere which serves to help the body. I get so convicted when I say that because this is a guy that would mock people that went to church. And they, I hate these guys that write these songs about behind the stained glass windows, like we're doing nothing. I commend you guys because you supported 53, 55, 53 families and all their kids. We gave that to the Salvation Army. They were thrilled. God bless you guys. This church has given thousands of dollars to help other churches. Even churches in this area don't like us. We help them. I don't care. We're going to give. We're going to be a blessing. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm going to do what God wants us to do. You know why? Because we're going to stand before God. You're not going to be there to, ooh, Pastor Jim. No, I'm out there by myself. I hope I got clothes on. Because naked we came into the world, and naked we leave. I think we're going to, we'll be, have our white robes on, we'll stand before Jesus. Hallelujah. The church is the local assembly of believers. What a shame that people who call themselves Christians don't go to church. They're going to have some answering to do. We gather together with one accord in one place, and that's where the power of God's going to manifest. Man, I'm ready. How about you? We've seen God moving, but what were the results of the church that's made up of people who are faithful, loyal, who come with allegiance to the leadership, to their brothers and sisters in Christ, to the Holy Spirit? What's going to happen? Tune in next week for the exciting... Every head bow, every eye closed. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. I said it earlier. For by grace are you saved. Your God, whether you want to believe he exists or not, knew that we are too weak to follow the Ten Commandments. We are too weak to do everything to make us right in the sight of God. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says your righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. And God knew that. He knew our weaknesses. So long time ago, before creation even happened, it says before the beginning of the foundations of the world, God had a plan. 
He loves us so much. And he says, I'm going to send my son. I'm willing to sacrifice him. And my son is willing to do it, to die and take on their sin of the world and go to a cross and be crucified for their sin. When Jesus on that cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he was talking about you and he was talking about me. He went to a cross, died one of the most horrible deaths, naked, hanging up there as a piece of meat. Read it in the Bible. He no longer had the visage or the appearance of a man. And he hung on that cross and suffered a horrible death, took upon himself the wrath of God. So much God loved you. And then we have the nerve to think that we're going to be good and make it to heaven. If you're sitting here today and you think, well, I don't know whether I'm going or not, I can give you an absolute guarantee that you will. Will you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior today who died on a cross for your sin? He died for you if you were the only person on this earth. He suffered and died. Your name was on that cross, and he paid the price for your sin. And all you have to do is acknowledge it. And then you are born again. And then the Holy Spirit will help you be what God intended you to be on this earth. You're going to make mistakes, but thank God Jesus died for my mistakes. We're going to go before the communion table. You don't have the right to come here because here we acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done for us. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with us real quick. Father, I am a sinner and I repent. Jesus, have mercy on me. You died on the cross for my sin. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, I am saved. In Jesus' name, I am healed. In Jesus' name, my salvation is guaranteed. Thank you, Jesus.